0: fabulous listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Old Bodies Outside. This is your host, Dr. Brian Peterson. This episode's guest is Dr. Rob Bell, who is a mental toughness coach. He has a PhD in sports psychology from the University of Tennessee and has completed a variety of endurance races such as Ironmans and ultramarathons. Furthermore, he has written eight books about mental toughness. On May 5th, he released his most recent book titled, I Can't Wait to Be Patient. You can find more information about Dr. Bell at www.drrobbell.com. I invited Dr. Bell on The Old Bodies Outside because I'm fascinated about mental toughness and how it applies to daily life. Dr. Bell, it's an honor to have you on Old Bodies Outside.
1: Thanks for having me, Doc. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, where are you connecting in from? Uh, Indianapolis, man. We've been here since 2008, and uh, my kids are now native Hoosiers, and, and this is home, man. We love this state. All right. How old are your kids? Fort, my daughter's 14, and my son is 12, man. Yeah, okay. the days are we're, long, we're but kinda the years right. are fast.
0: Yeah, yeah, and there's probably a lot of eighty with juggling kids around and moving them around. I have an 11 and a 12-year-old.
1: Yeah, we, uh, uh, today my my wife is,
0: yeah, that's right. That's right. My wife is probably taking off any minute right now to, um, take my son over to some football, uh, conditioning for the day and then he'll be coming back home later. So he's got a good day ahead of him. Okay. Well, to get the conversation started, I wanted to actually ask you about the movie air and we were talking earlier. It sounds like you're familiar with that movie. And so during that movie, there's a very emotional part uh, in which Sonny Vaccaro, who's played by Matt Damon, is delivering this speech to Michael Jordan. He's not met Michael Jordan yet. He's only met his mother. But he gives this speech that's almost like talking about, hey, you're going to be this awesome athlete. You're going to be built up. But there's going to be times where you're going to drop down the other side of the mountain. And how you react to that is who that's what's going to solidify your legacy. I want to know what you thought about that speech when you heard
1: it. Yeah, man. I mean, watching the movie, I mean, I thought it was just so excellently done. I mean, the, the stars in there were perfect. I thought Ben Affleck's character was fantastic. I mean, playing Phil Knight, you know, it was just, you know, his eccentricities were, were just fantastic. And, you know, living through watching Michael Jordan play, you know, so those, everyone that watched Michael Jordan play still today would say, well, Michael Jordan was still the best. You know what I mean? It's, and that's the part that it's it's a little difficult when you don't get to see somebody play. Like I never saw Oscar Robinson play, you know, so I don't know how good he was. You're always relying on what other people say. And then just to so that whole nostalgia part of that movie. And then when it comes to that talk, it's like, absolutely. I mean, I resonated with it because like we have all of us have like these mountaintop moments, we're climbing the mountain. We reach that mountaintop moment, that, that moment of success. And then the issue always becomes like we can't live on top of that mountain. At some point, we have to come back down. And the way that I've always seen, especially with those, the media will create and tear down whoever that they, they want to. And that's the power of the media, the power of the sports media. And, yeah, that that speech that he gave – uh, very motivating. I thought it was one of the, one of the best ones. It was obviously the best part of the movie. And it just, uh, it just reminds us though, that, you know, everything is temporary and it is going to be how we respond and not react to, you know, the situations and, and difficulties and, and the great parts that happen in life as well. I mean, that's the part that we kind of forget. We're always talking about overcoming the challenges and that part is absolutely true but we got to overcome the mountaintop moments, you know, cause we have to come back down the mountain. And if you look, I mean, you know, with Everest, most deaths happen on Everest on the way back down the mountain, not on the way up. And that's because what happens after we have success, that even becomes a bigger challenge than, than always just striving and trying to climb that mountain. It's how we deal handle and cope with, with the success part.
0: Yeah, I feel like maybe some complacency might enter as part of that success, possibly. You know, maybe when you're you're climbing back down Everest, you're like, hey, like I've got to the peak. Like I'm just, you know, I'm just on a high right now because of my, you know, my achievement. And then maybe you, you're you not focusing so much on the little steps on the way down and you make an error or something.
1: That's exactly what happens, man. Yeah. And, and same thing like with life, right? Like we, we reached it, man. I got it. We made it. But we don't live there you know um brett Favre was perfect example when he won the super bowl i mean he was holding up super bowl trophy and, and if you really pay attention multiple people that have won you know major championships and and super bowls say the same thing but he said is that it and i was like what do you mean is that it like what else could there be for a football player winning the super bowl should be it well the thing was is he didn't want it to end and he knew at that moment even though it was better winning than it was losing he didn't want it to end. And at that point then it was over. And so it really, that just look it always going to get back to, uh, the process that we're going through the journey that we're climbing and then how well we're, we're enjoying that rather than just the mountain top mountain top moment, because that will pass and we have to come back down the mountain. Yeah. That mountaintop
0: success is temporary. Um, and I like that you, you brought up that, um, focusing on the process and getting back to that. And I think that's something that's really fun as a person, as an athlete, no matter what you're doing is, you know, focusing on yourself. How can I get better at being, you know, putting on a presentation for work or how I interact as a husband or how I interact as a dad or how I interact with students. I think that, you know, that process and having that level of personal humility and reflection probably goes a long ways.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, what one of the, parts about life and, and you being a runner, I mean, you kind of get this as well, man. It's like, you know, you train for the, to do the best you can, like in that race. And, but when you look back, it can't just all be for that race. The reason why is because what are the small things that we're learning like about ourselves throughout that process as well? And I'm not saying like, you have to have both, right? You have to have that goal that you're going for. And, but then it's always getting back to, all right, man, well, how, how am I recovering? How's the discipline in terms of waking up? How focused am I during those workouts? What am I learning about myself? Am I giving myself that out that I, I don't need to really push it here? Like all those lessons that kind of come in, that, that, that is what transfers into all parts of our life. It all can't just be for that race and that moment of, of hitting the goal, even though it's wonderful. It has to be and it always gets back to what am I learning about myself in these situations I, and sometimes i mean i say especially in those ultra marathons like you meet yourself you meet your true self there's not going to be much uh you know pump up music that's going to be helping you when you know you're 60 miles into a 100 mile race and just really sucking. you meet yourself and you don't always like who you meet that's the problem but it's like okay well after those experiences what did i learn about myself and my situation that's going to help me what are the what are the gaps that I need to look at in my own life that are really going to help me improve and get better.
0: Yeah, that's, that's wonderful advice. And I I can definitely relate to that ultra marathon aspect. I think during ultra marathon, sometimes you even go through kind of multiple deaths where you're really, you're hitting lows, you're hitting extreme lows multiple times. And something that um, I personally think is really important is during those times, my, my motivation might waver. It might, um, change, but I have to tell myself, stay disciplined. Like, yes, you're in a low spot. That's okay. You're right where you're supposed to be, working hard out there, but stay disciplined, stay on top of your water, stay on top of your calories, stay on top of your salt. But just get to the next aid station. You know, like we don't need to focus on the destination right now. Um, and that's something that carries over to my life really nicely. For example, getting a PhD, it's, a, it's an ultra marathon. Um, and there's those lessons that transfer over, just as you mentioned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Indeed, man.
0: Okay. So I wanted to hear from you. I have an idea about what mental toughness is, but honestly, I haven't studied it nearly, nearly in depth the way that you have. I mean, you, this is your thing, you know, mental toughness. And so what is meant by mental toughness?
1: Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's like, I mean, if you just Google it, I mean, in, like, definition, you, you'll you come across 20 different definitions. And they all sound great, you know what I mean? But too often it's just they, they kind of want you to look over here a little bit in terms of, you know, um, you know confidence, commitment. Hey, the four C's of mental toughness. And, and it's like we just got off track in terms of mental toughness. I'm a simple as powerful kind of guy, right? So I'm always getting back to Jim Blair, 1986, his definition of mental toughness is how we, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase, right? But how we deal, handle, and cope with adversity in life. And that's all it is. It's how we deal with the setbacks and the struggle in life. That's all mental toughness is, man. And I'm a, ca- a cash and carry kind of guy, man. It's just like, let's just keep this simple. You don't need to uh, muddy the waters in terms of your own definitions, but that's it, man. How do you deal with adversity? Simple not easy but it's simple and then there's a lot of factors and i can always go into it there's a lot of factors that go into you know mental toughness and what it is and what it isn't and all that but you know i'm happy to elaborate man you just lead the way (laughs) well as i was thinking about that you know that dealing
0: with adversity aspect and as you were explaining that i was thinking about the different scales of adversity so there might be um let's say I, I, I think adversity is kind of on a continuum where, you know, there might be some really traumatic things that happen in life, say a parent dies um, versus there might be something where I'm wearing sandals for the day and I stub my toe and happen to fall on the sidewalk in front of everyone and embarrass myself. Um, and so there's a lot of different contexts to adversity. And so how can people be kind of prepared for these pieces of adversity, even if they haven't faced it before?
1: Yeah. Well, I think in life, and that's the beauty of sport in general, is we get the test first and then we get the lesson afterwards. It's not too often in school. It's not like school at all, right? We don't show up and now we're taking the final exam the first day and then I'm going to teach you everything you need to know. It doesn't happen that way. We get the test first and then we get the lesson afterwards. So the power in it is really how do we debrief? How am I able to look at that? How was I able to handle that situation better? And what that requires then, you know, is a lot of coaching ourselves up, allowing others to coach us up. You know, I hate messing up. I hate making mistakes, especially, you know, when my kids are going to point that out to me, right? Like, you know, you were, you were kind of rushed in that situation. And, um, and that's just their polite way of saying, you know, you got angry there. So it's, we get the test first and then we get the lesson afterwards. So a lot of times, man, it's just being able to look back and reflect how could I have done that better? What was that trigger in that situation? Why did I get off my mental game? And, uh, yeah, man, adversity, like, I mean, it could be as simple and a lot of times it is, it's as simple as getting stuck in traffic or the technology not working. Like a lot of times it's not always And Muhammad Ali said this, and I really agree with it a lot. He said, it's not the mountain that wears you down. It's the pebble in your shoe. I couldn't agree more, man. You know, it's like, look, deaths are going to happen in life. And the big stuff, like we inherently just know, okay, I mean, this is a really tough situation that we're going to be going through. I I need people in my life here that can help kind of direct me. What we don't reach out to is, you know what, you know, uh, for some reason, I can't ever connect on the internet when I need to, you know what I mean? Or this, uh, this website just doesn't load fast enough. Or when am I going to get that call back from that person? And then, or we got this project that's just not done. Now, those are the little stressors in life. Those are the pebbles in your shoe. And those often, man, that's what like, they kind of build upon themselves. So it's like, man, getting really good at mastering the simple things in life then we get better at mastering, the, I think, the big things.
0: Yeah, I was thinking back as you're talking about the pebble in the shoe um, and handling that and its compounding effect, as you mentioned. Um, that was something that as I transitioned out of adolescence into young adulthood and then furthermore into midlife, something that I, I think I, I wasn't prepared for as I hit midlife. It was something that really crept up a lot in midlife was the compounding effect of the pebble in the shoe. And I think because in midlife, there's just a lot going on. Like you got kids that are just, they're testing everything out. They're having a ton of fun. As a parent, wanna make sure that they're able to have those experiences, seek those opportunities. I'm also juggling a full-time career, having fun with the podcast. And so there's all kinds of pebbles in the shoe. And uh, I think you're absolutely right. Learning how to manage that level of adversity um, and the compounding effect is something that's really, really important
1: hmm And that's where we always, you know, at least now, I mean, I'm always getting back to the power of time. And are we approaching our issues and adversity through the power of time first and initially? Because often, you know, that, I mean, it's our most precious resource. It's what we all have, but it's what we use the worst. And there are things that are so important in our lives, but too often we succumb to that which is urgent might be sort of important, but it's not really that important, but it's urgent. Now that's going to trump what's important. And now that's where the stressors and being overwhelmed and rushed really happen.
0: Yeah. I. So what you're saying is with time, if something urgently comes up. It might almost have a, a zap to your system where you're like, Hey, I got to, I got to tend to that. But now it's actually kind of wasting some time. That's actually more could be more beneficial over here.
1: Right. It's not only wasting time. It's wasting mental energy. Um, but yeah. And, and I succumb to it as well, man. You know, because when something becomes urgent, you know, it's like, wait, I, I, I need to deal with it. I need to handle that right now. Um, and urgency trumps the important all the time. Well, depending on where we are in our life, if we get hit with these code reds and code blues throughout the entire day, then not only do we get mentally drained and overwhelmed but we don't re- ever really get to focus on that which is important and then that becomes really the big detriment i think in in our our lives is we have to be doing and focusing on that which is truly important and when we boil it down there are just a few things that are really really important in life and, you know ultimately and now there's a lot of moving parts that come to it absolutely man but when that's getting back to Are we delegating? Are we scheduling? Um, Are we planning? Do we have that downtime? Do we have that recovery piece that's planned for ourselves? Um, I don't think like we overtrain in life. Like I don't think that there's too much stress. I really don't. Now, if you ask me when I'm stressed, I'd say, well, yeah, absolutely. Things are overwhelmed. There's too much going on. No, what I think though is that we under recover. I think we didn't prepare for it well enough. I don't think that we you know, we're carrying over last week or yesterday into today. And, you know, there's just not a lot of white space in there for us to, you know, de-stress and go from one issue to another. Um, and that's how I see it, man. I, you know, it could be could be wrong, but I think when it comes to patience, it's recovery of the mind. And that's how important that becomes, man, is are we allowing our mind to recover and to catch up, or are we just focus on that, which is urgent every single day?
0: and i think with with finding that time for our mind to recover I, I'm, I'm in completely agreement with you i think it's, it's really important and uh, i felt like you kind of alluded to to the fact that we need help sometimes you know like and, and delegating and asking for help and saying hey i need help with this task and it might be a simple task it could be something that you know might take an hour but you know sometimes we just need help we need other people no matter what mm-hmm. the task is
1: yeah, no question, man. What what I say, Doc, is too often though we just wait until there's, until we are overwhelmed, stressed, and anxious, in order to start asking for help. You you got to create that environment uh, that you want before the adversity is going to hit, before those really stressful moments. So you can you can already then lean on other people that are going to be close to you to to help you through these situations.
0: Yeah, and I think getting ahead of it like that also helps people kind of just be prepared they're not, you know, getting hit in this frantic moment that I'm having. Um, and then I feel like they'll be more likely to help me then.
1: Yeah, no question man.
0: Okay. So we've been kind of talking a little bit about, you know, the process versus focusing on the destination. Um, and we've talked a little bit about some mental toolboxes with helping people out, how we look at time. Are we looking at it just like doing the urgent things. Are there any other toolboxes that you recommend to people for, you know, kind of sticking with in that process of life versus focusing on the destination or the outcome or the success?
1: Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to get back to time because I think it's a most precious resource. And that's how I look at everything now as, you know, the, the process piece of knowing, I mean, let's just say that this too shall pass. Okay, we have to know that this too shall pass, that everything that we're going through is temporary, good and bad. And the reason why we know that to be a fact it is simply because, and not some you know, rah-rah saying, not some motivational speak, but the fact of that the good times can't last. That alone is proof that the bad times can't last either. So we say boy, I can't wait for that birthday party. Can't wait for that vacation. You know, we never say, boy, I can't wait to like really be struggling in life. Like we don't say that. Well, then what we're doing is now we're trying to dictate the power of time. Now we're trying to say and wait, this is really important, but I don't want the bad times. Look, pain and pleasure are absolutely a package deal. Like you do not get to the level that you want to get to without having go through the pain and pleasure part. But the proof that the bad times can't last is just getting through the good times can't last. The good times cannot last. And that alone is proof that the bad times can't last. And I just think it's what well, let's just take an approach here with our mental game of focusing on the process, knowing that um, this too shall pass, whatever we're going through, good and bad. Well, now we're just taking a more objective viewpoint to whatever the stressors are going to be in life. And and all we got to do then is really just getting back to, and you alluded to it earlier, right? Just make it to the aid station. And just make it to, you know, the end of the street. And that's the part where it's left foot, right foot. And if we just keep moving, we're going to get there. That's the ultimately the essence of that process. Now, the beauty about it, is the better that we get on just focusing on the process, we get a gift in that. And the gift that we get in that is our second wind. The second wind, like, and just to use marathon example, just because mile 16 is awful does not mean that mile 21 is going to be awful as well. And the reason why is because, you know, we, we regroup, right? You find a rhythm. Um, you you get that you know, whatever it is, man, you get some calories in you, something like that. But too often when I say mile 16 is bad, that means the rest is going to be bad as well. And like I just said, this too shall pass. Just focus on that, man. I think that is what grounds us and gets us into that process.
0: You know, by you just saying that, I actually was feeling like calmer and calmer because the way that you said, you know, objectively looking at it, this too shall pass, bad times two shall pass. And it's like, okay, like we got this, like that's achievable suddenly. And before it, like, you know, it feels like, Oh my gosh, like, where do I even start with this? Now it feels like, Hey, yeah, this is achievable. This will pass.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we know, you know, if, if we just look at time as supply and demand, like when we're young, like we have unlimited supply of time, very little demand. Now the demands increase. Absolutely. I think the demands now for people that are younger were a whole lot more than when I was younger, you know, there's a lot more going on, but only as we get older do we realize. Okay, well now time is limited, and now what happens with supply and demand when um, supply goes down? Right, well it becomes more precious, becomes more valuable, and that's why we appreciate time because we have the perspective of of getting older and realize and look how fast that things go. Um, back to back to the time mm-hmm. example, man. And I yeah, I and do I know, want to, to touch talk, on, like. I coach and I love getting on a podcast cause I, I have to remind myself of these, right? I can't coach myself and only when I'm speaking out loud, only when I'm speaking truth into it, do I realize like, yeah, Rob, absolutely, man. You were stressed out cause you were just focused on what was urgent, not what was really important.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's, uh, it's really important to be able to kind of hear ourselves here we're doing uh, to be able to, you know, like you said, reflect and evaluate. So, for example, um, I go to science confer- uh, conferences and I will give an oral presentation. It's like 20 or 30 minutes. I will record myself in advance giving it to see how I'm doing. Like, what, how do I come off? And then that way I can, you know, evaluate like, hey, like I went through that explanation super fast or I missed a critical point. I need to remember to do that when I'm actually giving the presentation.
1: Film study, man.
0: Yeah, that's right. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Film study on my own presentations. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it goes a long way. I also want to touch on something that you said earlier, too. And that is, you know, I, I get in a habit of I'll be talking to my wife and it'll be, say, the middle of the spring semester, say, April or so. So spring break has already gone by and now we got the rest of the semester. It's got to go through and I'll be like, babe, I'm just... Can't wait to go to the mountains this summer and go hiking with you and go camping. And there were, and I, I was getting into a sequence of saying this a lot. My wife eventually said, "Brian, are you even like present right now? Like you're just looking to the future, looking to do this? You're, you're, you're not using your time right now. You're just looking to the future." And it, it snapped me out of it immediately. And that was another kind of great example of um, it's really hard to coach yourself too. And she just hit it for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right.
1: It, you know, and it's a balance, right? It's not, um, it's never just one thing. I mean, there's a lot of gray that comes into life and, you know, looking at the future gives us hope. You have to have hope. Hope is powerful, but ultimately then it's just getting back to, Um, Okay, well, what are the things that I'm doing today and and what's the gratitude perspective I have in this moment that that becomes powerful as well? I agree. Nothing is more important than this day. So it's about preparing for the future, but being able to live in the present.
0: Yeah, and I love that you brought up some gratitude. I think that that's something that is uh, can really help fuel performance in sports too is having gratitude towards what, what did I personally accomplished? And it may not even be physical. It might be a mental lesson, but being able to see that and to see how maybe I've gotten a little bit better than yesterday and then a little bit better the next day and a little bit better. Um, and having some gratitude and seeing that I've done that, but also approaching some humility.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, let's get back to time, for instance, right? When, We look back on, and somebody just told me this the other day. You know, one of my coaches told me this. It was like, you know, my kids are 14 and 12. Yesterday, they were four and two. You know, the days are long, but the years are fast, man. And the clock grows legs when you have kids. If we, you know, and I'm just so, um, my gratitude and perspective is rooted in, man, I just want to appreciate every moment that I have because now what I see is, um, not four, not even four years. Right. I see you got, you got three more summers, you know, now that I see, okay, man, you got three spring breaks and, and again, right. It's focused on that, but it's like, okay, man, well, let's make sure that every night this week that we're all spending time together, like doing this, whether it's going to be dinner or something like that, that we're all connected because boy, those are just the precious times, man. And, and if, if we miss them, we, we never get those back. And that's where I just look at the power of time again and, and being able to be rooted that moment and focused on, Hey, what is really, really important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so the power of time uh, has hit my family this week in a little bit of a different way, but it's, it's exactly what you're saying. And so on Sunday, my kids go off to wilderness camp in Northern Minnesota for a month Mm-hmm. And suddenly, this week, we're all hanging out. We're playing cards together after dinner. People aren't going off onto their devices. And we suddenly are appreciating our time more because we're not going to be spending the next month together. And it's like, okay, like that's fantastic that we're doing that because you all are taking off to your camp. But when you get back, we need to continue doing that and appreciate our time together and use it wisely.
1: Yeah. It's like the same thing when, when we're, I mean, and that's a vacation, but it's like when we're all getting ready to get on vacation, do you know how productive we are? Right. I mean, to get everything done. So there's a sense of urgency towards that. And I think you, so here's the balance, right? Like you have to approach spending time with the family, playing cards with a sense of urgency. I'm not saying you play cards with a sense of urgency, but what am I doing? I'm planning on that. So I'm making sure that that is going to happen if you don't plan for it, Hey, it just may or may not happen. And why does, so it's about approaching that, which is important with a sense of urgency. And I call them important urgencies and then being, being patient in the result, being patient in the moment, uh, allowing that moment to unfold. Um, but if you don't schedule it, some, something else is going to fill that, that void.
0: Yeah, I can see that for sure. You see that for sure. And that's what's kind of happened in my family this week is we've really started kind of planning a little bit more for balance this week with each other uh, while getting them ready for camp and whatnot. But I I love that you brought up, be patient in the moment too. That's, that's a really great kind of just mantra.
1: Yeah. I mean, and then again, man, I've never, I wouldn't say never, right? Like I struggle with the big stuff, you know, but I know that stuff's going to work out. What I struggle with is, um, well, knowing that dinner was supposed to be in five minutes and now it's like 15 minutes later and why, why didn't, and have you not even set the table yet? Like wh- what's going on? You know what I mean? I'll get stressed out about the real small things in life. And why is that? <laughs> well, it's just how, uh, you know, it's one of the deep, it's one of, it's one of my faults, man, is I'll just get stressed really quick in terms of wanting things to get done. And, uh, there was this plan that I had in my mind. And now it's not according to plan. So being able to adjust and the mental flexibility i need it man and that's what my kids will coach me on dad it's it's okay like we'll we'll get it and and all i need is a couple seconds i just need those reminders you know what i mean i'm i'm embarrassed to say it like i don't want to get stressed out like getting ready for dinner but it's like when things aren't going according to plan and how i thought it was going to go requires me to adjust and then i'll tell my kids like And they always just throw it right back at me right plan on your plan not going according to plan
0: yeah yeah Uh, i love that your your kids help coach you but i think that what you said it has transferability to just every aspect of life and you know family life sports but when your expectations aren't going to plan they're not being met are you going to be able to adjust are you going to be able to adapt are you just going to swim in stress and end up faltering yeah okay so on may 5th today is june 8th we're recording on june 8th of 2023 and a month ago on may 5th you released your eighth book and congrats on writing eight books i've never written a book so that is fantastic so kudos to that Uh, i love the title of it i can't wait to be patient. So I think that we our conversation has already kind of led to understanding the title, but if you want to explain the title, um, go for it. And then, you know, we talk about being patient in the moment. I don't know if you want to expand on that a little bit
1: more. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're, we're designed as people to get from point A to point B as fast as possible. Which program are you going to buy? And this is all you need to pay attention to. Just pay attention to marketing that you're going to see in life, right? They are selling you on the idea of speed. And here's my point what program are you going to buy hey how to be a millionaire in seven to nine months or how to be a millionaire in seven to nine years so we equate speed with being the easier path well that's the path i want none of us get into the car punch in in our gps and then take the slowest route to get there like we don't do that right we're always looking at okay this is 17 minutes this is 22 we're not taking the 22 minute route So that's, we are, we are pre-wired for speed and to get there as fast as possible. However, the issue with that is when we focus only on speed and speed as it's important, but when we only focus on speed, an interesting thing happens that, and it's back to the urgency piece, like we become urgent towards everything. And now, when we're urgent towards everything, that's when the stress, the angst, the being overwhelmed and rushed come into play because now we've got a sense of urgency towards everything. And you know what? It really does not matter. Well, now there's no off switch to our speed. Now there's no off switch in order to get there as fast as we can. And it doesn't matter if we're waiting for a coffee or if we're stuck in traffic or whatever it's going to be in life, right? Waiting for this to unfold, we're going to wait. And so oftentimes then it's how we behave while waiting. And I always say, and, and I'm kind of giving away like the the one piece, but it's like, and I know, I know we'll talk about it, but it's like, look, instead of focusing on speed, let's focus on rhythm. So I think rhythm is more important than speed. What's the rhythm? What's the cadence of our life? Because if we're not transitioning well from one situation to another, we're taking that past situation into the next one and then that's going to carry over and then before we notice it's like man so many i'm just overwhelmed because we haven't we haven't had the off switch we haven't allowed our mind to recover to catch up we haven't debriefed and we have in our lives this action bias and this speed bias when we really need to get back to what's the rhythm of our life what's the cadence of life look at farmers Okay, I love using this example, if that's okay. So farmers are great, man, because my family, on my dad's side, I mean, they were dairy farmers, and there's nobody that works harder than farmers, right? There's really not. I mean, we know how hard farmers work, man, six days a week. So if you look at it, though, well, farmers inherently realize that there's only so much that they can do in the day so the rhythm of what they have in life even though they're up at 4 30 and they're working buddy at seven o'clock man that's when they're taking that coffee break that's when they're seeing that's when they're having the conversation after the coffee after the breakfast they know hey then this is scheduled up then they're having um you know dinner at one o'clock whenever that's going to be not not supper not lunch but it's dinner and then they have the afternoon pieces that they're going to have to do and but there's a rhythm to what they're doing. They know that the day that the seed is planted is not the day that it's harvested. And well, we don't have that kind of structure in our lives. We're just moving from point to point, And that's the part about being time and, and not, you know, can't wait. Approach the mental game through time, approach the mental health or mental wellness through time first. And then we're going to kind of see, hey, what are the other areas and the gaps that I need to improve upon?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Bell, that is fantastic. And you got me thinking again about ultra marathons. And, um, I am guilty of during those downtimes, I kind of referred to as I'm going to be feeling like death a few times throughout a race, um, trying to urgently push through it onto being, feeling good again, instead of just continuing my rhythm through it, feeling good through it. Um, and then on a, bigger level i saw this reel recently and i don't know if you've come across it there's a lot of great kobe bryant reels out there that i just and they just i love watching they motivate me but there was one where he is talking about he's like you know i see a lot of young athletes getting into basketball and they're just going right for trying to have the coolest dunk out there the most awesome dunk the most cool layup whatever and he's like you know what that stuff does not matter. Like, you need to focus on your fundamentals. And so I was thinking about what, he, with those, that, that comment about stick to your fundamentals. And he's like, this is exactly how I play basketball with my kids. I'm like, let's, you know, or coach my kids. Let's focus on the fundamentals. And I think it's those fundamentals that help you maintain that rhythm. It's the fundamentals that the farmers focus on to maintain the rhythm versus, you know, trying to get right to, you know, the destination.
1: And the fundamentals never change. That's the part, right? They <laughs> fundamentals never change. And whenever issues start happening in life, always got to get back to just looking at the fundamentals, simple is powerful, right? It's a genius to keep it simple, man.
0: Yeah. I just wrote that down. Simple is powerful. I love that. Okay. So. I think along the same vein of conversation, I think everything that you've been mentioning probably applies to my next question. And that is a lot of athletes focus on beating others. Um, and I I feel like this could be detrimental. How do you feel about
1: that? I think it's a lot easier to focus on beating somebody else than it is the most difficult opponent, you know, the most difficult opponent has a strategic advantage over us. And the reason why is because it knows our hurts, hangups, and headaches, man, it knows our strengths, it doesn't take much to figure ourselves out. And that's our own mind. And that is the most difficult opponent. So if you're trying to play one-on-one against somebody, one-on-one basketball against somebody that already knows what you're going to do before you do it, that's who you're competing against. Well, boy, you want to go up against that opponent all the time or you want to play somebody new? it's easier to try and beat somebody else than it is to really focus on yourself, what you're doing, where your journey is, where your process is and how are you trying to improve? That is way harder because that is a game that really, you don't win. You just get better at it. And you know, the reason why is our mind really just has one job and that's to keep us safe. That's the mind's job. Keep you safe. Well, when you start to push yourself and getting out of your comfort zone in whatever area you're wanting to improve in life, the mind doesn't want that. It wants you to be safe. Well, the way you stay safe is just stay under the covers and don't do anything. Well, again, that goes contrary then to our innate, uh, well, our innate desire, I think, to improve ourselves and improve other people's lives, you know, and to enjoy life. So we are always going to be running up against that. And that that's just a way more difficult opponent, man, is competing against yourself.
0: Yeah, and I think that, you know, that is, a, it seems like it's a big pillar of the mental toughness of dealing with adversity, not just adversity of others, but these kind of, these, and I, I don't know if adversity would be the right word, but, you know, the places where you need to focus and do better for yourself, some sort of skill, some sort of mental aspect where it's like, hey, you know, like, I get flustered in these situations, but focusing on that self to then boost your mental toughness. Yeah. Well said. Okay. Um, with this, you know, you mentioned earlier, kind of building other people up. And I think that that is something that is is so important in life. And I think that, um, that is really, you know, a place of coming from love. When you want to build other people up, you're coming from a place of love. Um, it, it's always horrible to see other people trying to, you know, break down people and tear them down. Now I get it during sports, you know, there's trash talking and that's how it goes. That's part of the game, but I'm talking about, you know, simple daily interactions. Maybe it's with coworkers, maybe it's with whoever, um, but building each other up is so important. Um, and so with family and friends, how can we help cultivate a successful culture? And it, it could be around family, friends, coworkers, uh, whoever.
1: Back to the cash and carry kind of guy. I mean, I think culture is just how we treat one another, you know, and how, how are we treating one another in our relationships. I think it is about knowing how you want to be coached, knowing how other people want to be coached. No, I'm saying coach. I'm just saying, like, in terms of the relationship. Um, you know, rising tide lifts all ships, man. I think it's you have to root – for one another you have to root for one another to have success because if somebody is in your circle who might be a competitor in your field right but they're in that that space that you're in and you want to get there when they have success it inherently is telling us that we can have success too And competition like we need the competition man it's how we kind of get better and to when you know when To answer the question in terms of like the culture man i look at real success as being able to root for everybody and when you can root for everybody what that is really saying is is that everyone can have a piece of pie that there's enough pie for everybody and there's not just one slice if we're operating under the illusion that well there's just one slice of pie and i better i better get it uh we're operating from that mindset that there's not enough and i'm not enough and well how how do we get there well then we're going to start Dragging people down, pulling people down. Um, and it doesn't mean to not be like confrontational or if there's information out there that's like incorrect, by all means, man. But I'm just talking about for our own sake and sanity, how much are we cheering on other people? How much are we supporting other people? Because that inherently helps us out as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that you said that when you see someone else be successful, it's like, hey, I can do that too. Um, and now we got culture of success building off of that. That's really cool. Okay. So Dr. Bell, I want to ask you one more question here. So as I mentioned earlier, you released your eighth book a month ago, and I know that this question might be coming in a little bit early, but have you started to brainstorm your ninth book?
1: I, I love the question, man. I think it's fantastic. And here's why I love that question is even like when I finished 100 miler and then I was, um, you know, people were kind of following my friends, stuff like that. And then I think it was probably at the gym, you know what I mean? It was like maybe you know, a week later or something like that. And then somebody asked, hey, well, what's next? And it's the same exact question, right? Hey, Rob, what's next? And it's like, I think I really, the quick answer to that is I don't know if I am going to be writing another one. That's how painful this this book was to write because I've written eight of them, I can't be saying the same exact thing that I wrote in book three. Well, how many different ways can you talk about mental toughness? Right? Well, that's why the power of patience. Now I look at patience as the new mental toughness, patience as recovery of the mind. man. um, the reason why is because it's just like, if you watch any kind of championship that gets won, the media does something that they will say before the confetti's already out you you read the headline hey can they do it again hey can they repeat or if it is a team or person that has had success in the past and has won it what they start to do is now we start to rank them in terms of hey where's their legacy and and that's before the confetti isn't even cleaned up you know what I mean I'm about relishing as much as you can in those moments and enjoying that process that I really don't know if there's going to be a next one when it comes to this one, man. Um, this one was brutal, right? It took me 16 months to write it. Um, many, many, it it was, it was an ultra marathon man, because there are just many times of dark spots of this book, not coming together because it's a book of balance. You have to be urgent in life. You have to be urgent towards that, which is important. And you have to be patient towards the results. There are times that don't just sit there, do something, but there are more times where it's don't just do something, sit there. Well, it's really tough to make that point um, and have that resonate with people you know, in so many words. Um, so that's a long way of saying, man, I really don't know. I'm just going to be staying on on how do I get patience in that message of that's, that's the real mental toughness.
0: Yeah, I I think that was such a fantastic, a lot of things were fantastic in your explanation. You point out a lot with, you know, relishing that you've just released a book, The Balance, but also being patient with that book just being released because, gosh, yeah, you've written eight books. There's a lot that you've written on those eight books, but being patient during this time period who knows what new lessons you might come across that you want to share that can help other people that might inform a ninth book. And I think that, you know, just jumping right in to being like, you know, what's the ninth book going to be? Well, let's let life pan out and see what happens here. And in the meantime, relish it and enjoy the balance of life. And uh, I'm sure something will come to you. I mean, you've written eight books, but I think it's, it's, it's a process and just being part of each moment. And eventually that aha moment will probably come to you. Yeah. Okay. Well, Dr. Bell, this was a fantastic uh, conversation. Uh, I felt like I really related strong to you. I got a big background in sports, and uh, we were able to dive pretty deep into some psychology and some mental toughness, and I really, really enjoyed that. So thank you for coming Absolutely, on to Old Bodies man. Outside. Yeah, man. If people yeah. want to
1: go to the website, you know, can'twaitbook.com, they can take, uh, you know, the patient's quiz that we have on that. Like, do they have a patient personality? And, um, you know, download the infographics there. So it's can't waitbook.com, man can't wait book.com fantastic
0: fantastic all right well i'm going to throw on that outro music and we'll call it an episode
1: thanks buddy